Please be seated. I'm really kind of interested in language. Language is just really a fascinating thing to me. I took a couple classes in linguistics when I was in college, and I think they were among my really uh, favorite classes that I took, kind of of looking at how language is this amazing tool that we have sort of created and how it sort of shifts and changes across time. Words can be very shifty things. And, and I, I'm really interested especially in how sort of words take on meaning and, and changes through time. That a word may be sort of created to mean one thing and then it'll come to mean something else Entirely. We see this in, in, in uh, sort of slang and vernacular pretty often. You know, thing we say that uh, something that's really bad is actually means it's really good. And apparently there was a word, P-H-A-T, fat, that was meant to be good too, but that one doesn't seem to really stuck around. But one of the words that really interests me is one that we use here in church, and that is saving. Right? We talk about Jesus, he's our savior. We talk about the work of God as being salvation, which is just another way of saying saved. And we, we hear it today in this gospel that Peter has gone to great, sorry, Paul has gone to great lengths to be everything to everyone in order that they might be saved. But it isn't necessarily 100% clear what we mean by save. Right, because when we use save in context outside of church, we use it in two different ways. Right, we could save someone from something, right, like, uh, like someone who's drowning. We go and we save him from death. Right, but at the same time, we also save for something. Right, like many of you probably put money in your 401k to save for retirement. I put money in a 529 to save for college. And so when we talk about saving, we're say, talking about two different things. We save from something terrible. We save for something good. But it's the same word, save. And, and I think like you probably, my main experience of hearing the word save in a Christian context is in that first one, saving from. Right? Because when I was a kid, I probably told this story before because I tell it a lot. You know, they, there was some church group that had a big convention every year in Indianapolis where I grew up, and they would go around to house to house knocking on the door to see if you had been saved. And they would say, have you been saved? Is Jesus your personal Lord and Savior? And one of the things I quickly learned is that the easiest way to get rid of those people was to go, no, but I sure would like to. And so you would step out on the front porch, they would make you say some sort of prayer, and you would be saved. And that was it. They would walk away and you would never see them again. And so I think, you know, as Episcopalians, we really don't like using this language because of that connotation. Because it feels, it feels a little wrong to us, right? Because when we, when we think about how, how Jesus acts, that when we, it's hard to kind of put him in the same place as this, this kind of saving that some Christians offer, right? Because it feels a little manipulative, right? Because there's something terrible we're being saved from in their minds that's, that's hell, right? That we're being saved from hell. And all you have to do is say a magic incantation, the Jesus prayer, or whatever they're offering, and you are saved. You get a get out of hell free ticket, right? Just like the get out of jail free ticket that you get in Monopoly. 
And whenever I get the get out of jail free card, when we play Monopoly, which I don't really play anymore because it's like an interminably long game, I never ever have to go to jail. So it's kind of useless. And I think in the same way that that kind of salvation, that saving that the people knocking on the door is offering is equally useless. Because I don't think that's what Jesus means. Because it feels manipulative. Right? If you do this thing I want you to do, I will do this thing that you want for yourself. Right? And we, we use this all the time. I mean, this is this like part and parcel of human life, but it's, it's I think, some of the darker parts of human life. Now, it can be pretty benign, right? I don't know about you, but I use that for my children way more often than I should, right? If you will do this for me, I will give you this. Like, for example, right now, Patrick is, is working on potty training, right? He's pretty good at peeing. He's not as good at the other one. And so we say, if you will go in the potty, we'll buy you a toy. A wrecking ball. That's what he really wants, a wrecking ball. <laughs> right? But, and the truth is, it's, it's a little manipulative, right? Because I'm really interested, I mean, I want him to be able to go to the bathroom, but mostly I'm interested in not having to go into his room at 11 o'clock at night and change his dirty pants, right? Because it's not fun for me. I don't enjoy it, right? So we do this for our children all the time. If you will, if you will, you know, come and do this activity, we'll reward you with ice cream or whatever. That's pretty benign, but it has darker uses as well. And the whole cultural conversation we're having right now about uh, the abuse of, of women in workplaces is the exact same thing. Some, somebody with power says that if you will bend to my will, I will give you something you want, a raise, a better job, a role in a big movie, right? So it has darker uses as well. And so it's hard for me to associate the Jesus that I know and have encountered in my life and in the Gospels with such a manipulative use. And so I don't think, in reality, that what Jesus is talking about necessarily, or even what Paul is talking about, is saving from something. Which must mean we're being saved for something. Well, that's kind of a whole different thing, isn't it? Because we're not being saved for some terrible thing. We're not getting some sort of get-out-of-hell-free card. We're being saved for something pretty good. Retirement, college, right? This, that's the kind of uses we talk about saving for, right? And so God is saving us for something magnificent, right? We're being invited into this relationship with Christ, not so that in the great hereafter we don't have to suffer, but because in the here and now, we can live abundantly, right? That we can find Jesus' healing powers ourselves. That in the ways that we are brokenhearted or, or emptied or fearful, Jesus offers an answer to that. He offers to fill up the places within us that are empty. He offers to knit together the pieces of us that are torn apart. He offers to take the fear that we feel and to make us feel confident and beloved. That Jesus is offering salvation, not to save us from something, but to save us for being the people we were created to be in the first place. That God created every single one of us with purpose 
and meaning and that, so that we could fulfill a great role in our lives, that we are necessary for one another. And we have been called together as community so that we can serve one another. When Jesus reaches out his hand to Simon's mother-in-law, who's suffering from fever, and let us not forget that in Jesus' day, a fever is something to be greatly afraid of. You can't pop a couple of Tylenol and drink some Sprite and you're going to be okay in the morning in first century Palestine. Fever could be a sign of something that is going to kill you. And so Jesus takes this woman that everyone is afraid might die. And he reaches out his hand to her at once, it says, and lifts her up. Jesus offers the same thing for each of us. That is the salvation that we are being saved for so that Jesus can come and reach out his hand to each of us individually and raise us up so that we might serve. So that we might tend to one another. So that we might be Christ to one another. To offer the hand of healing. To offer the hand of mending. To offer the hand of peace and love and reconciliation to our brothers and our sisters in this world. That is what we have been saved for. We have been saved for a remarkable and abundant life, to be the people we were created to be and to participate in God's love eternally. We have been saved for something magnificent. Amen.